The morning of September 11, 2001, I walked out of my fourth floor apartment in New York City and walked three blocks with my dog to the dog park on the West Side Highway. It was an absolutely beautiful, beautiful morning in New York. The sky was blue and the air was cool. And I remember looking down the West Side Highway and seeing there at the end of the island of Manhattan, the World Trade Centers for what would be the very last time. Three weeks prior to that, I had closed my law office and packed a U-Haul truck, and with my two cats, dog, and future ex-wife, started <laughs> a very long road trip to New York City. We looked like something out of the Beverly Hillbillies. When we came through the Lincoln Tunnel, and came out of the Lincoln Tunnel into Manhattan. It was like being shot out of a cannon. There we were on 34th Street, just a few blocks from Penn Station, just down the street from Times Square, and looking straight in front of us was the Chrysler Building, sparkling in the bright August sunshine. It was an amazing time to be in New York. But on September 12th, just 24 hours after all of the events of September 11th, after 24 hours of constant news coverage, I found myself walking with nine classmates and the chaplain from the school towards Ground Zero. We started walking and we came to our first roadblock at 14th Street. Now, we had been invited to come down as a group of young seminarians to the Siemens Church Institute on the South Street Seaport. We had heard that there they had set up a care station for relief workers. They were making hamburgers and coffee and they had water. And we had been invited to go down and serve those relief workers. So at the first roadblock at 14th Street, we showed our little plastic laminated badges that the seminary had made for us that said, official volunteer. And somehow this actually got us through a roadblock. <laughs> and we walked and we walked and we passed Canal Street. We made a left on Fulton Street and we went all the way over to the South Street Seaport. And there we went into this empty building that had a generator running. And they were making coffee, and they had bottles of water that had been donated, and they were making hamburgers. And yet, not one person was coming to get coffee or to get food at all. The relief workers were not leaving their posts. They were working nonstop to try to save all of those people whom they thought were buried under that rubble. About three hours later, it was about eight o'clock at night, and a group of Brooklyn cops came in to the South Street Seaport there at the Siemens Church Institute, and there were about five of them, and they had not yet been down to Ground Zero yet. They had been watching the same news that we had all been watching, but this is the place that they stopped on their way down. They had a little coffee. 
They drank some water, but they looked as shell-shocked as any of us felt on that night. As they were getting ready to leave and go and walk directly down Fulton Street to the World Trade Center site, we said, wait, can, can we go with you? Can we just pack up our bags and go and take food and coffee and water down there to whoever needs it? And they said, sure, come with us. So we did. We all packed up our backpacks. We put as much coffee and water as we could carry, and we headed out into the night, into the complete blackness of lower Manhattan, into the quietness the surprising quietness of that part of the city. The first checkpoint that we came to with these cops was not just a police checkpoint. It was a military checkpoint. It was the National Guard with machine guns. It was people who would have laughed at us if we had shown them our little plastic badges that said official volunteer. But the cops said, these guys are with us. Let them through. And so they did. And it was shortly after that checkpoint that we started noticing all over the ground this very fine dust. It looked like snow. And the closer we got to the World Trade Center, the deeper that dust and ash got until it was as high as our ankles. And it was full of papers. We looked over to the side and we would see shoes lying there. We would hear something rattling and we would look up in the tree and there were blinds that had probably been hanging in an 80th story office building the day before. And as we walked, as our shoes and the bottom of our pants got more and more covered in this ash and dust, we realized that we were walking in the ash and dust of people, not just buildings. Our clothes were actually covered with the ash of human beings. And still and yet, we walked. We stopped and handed out water to every con ed electrical worker and every sanitation worker that we could find. Any National Guard troop, we gave them coffee. We gave them hamburgers. We gave them everything out of our bags until we were almost empty of all the food. And we came around a corner and we turned the corner and there, less than 50 yards away from us, was the rubble of the World Trade Center and three huge pieces of the facade standing there, sticking out of the ground with light and with smoke pouring through it. We were frozen in time, smelling that smoke, looking at something that looked like a complete war zone like none of us had ever seen in our lives. And I can tell you, I was terrified. I stood there with my heart pounding out of my chest, tears in my eyes, looking up, not knowing what to do. All I had wanted to 
do was come to New York and become a priest. I was just following the path that God had led me, and now I had been led directly into hell. We didn't know if it was over. Glass fell out of buildings every few seconds. We heard the backup alarms of the bulldozers. We heard the cries of the rescue dogs barking, wailing. It got so bad for those poor dogs, the rescue workers would actually hide underneath rubble and have the dog find them so that they weren't overwhelmed and wouldn't stop working. It was a grief and a terror beyond anything I had ever experienced. We had to get back. By now, it was probably midnight. We had zigzagged our way through lower Manhattan all night long. So we turned around and we started walking. We gave away our last few bottles of water. And after we had walked for a while, I looked around and realized that I was standing in the middle of Chinatown. I was on Mott Street in Chinatown where only a couple of weeks before I had stood and it felt like the heart of the city that never sleeps. There was roast duck and there was, there was dim sum and there were live fish and shrimp and crabs everywhere. It was the most alive place that I had been. But this night, it was completely black and completely dark. Every shutter was down and there was not another soul around. The group that I was with had, had walked probably about 100 feet in front of me, and I was standing there, and I had stopped, and I looked down at my shoes, and then, for some reason, I looked up, and I realized that standing in the middle of Chinatown in New York City, I could see the stars. And it might have been the most alone that I have ever felt in my entire life. I was lost in this great cosmos, in a city, in a world that I no longer understood. I had followed God to this place and had no idea who he was anymore. And after looking up at those stars, I looked down at my feet, covered with the ash and the remnants of the lives of all those people who died that day. And I took one step into an absolutely unknown future with a God that I didn't know.